0: You're listening to audio from New City Church in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. We are a gospel-centered church with a heart for the next generation, passionate about making disciples who will renew our city in the real Jesus. For more information about New City, please visit our website at www.mynewcity.church. Amen, well good morning, it's good to be with you. My name is Nick, I serve as one of the pastors here. We gather as the saints, the people of God this morning. You may not walk into this room feeling like a saint, um, but here's the good news. You are not a saint because you nailed it. You are not a saint because you are great at being a Christian. You are a saint because you are a blood-bought people, um, because you are redeemed by the work of Jesus. And that's what this church takes as the very most precious treasure that we think is going to transform not only us, but our whole city. We want to see this city transformed by the love of Jesus as disciples are made in this place, disciples who love the God who first loved them disciples who find community with others, disciples who grow deep into the truths of the gospel and disciples who take all of those spiritual gifts, those deposits of grace that God has given us and they make a difference in the lives of other people. The good news is there's room for you, y'all. There is room for you and in just a week, with this is like the week that's the calm before the storm, okay? As students prepare to move back into our city and that prompts us to be in this season of what we just call 30 days of prayer leading up to um, the season. Um, there's a prayer guide in the back. If you're just jumping in right now, you can grab one of those before um, the end of the gathering. But this has been an incredible season of just watching God work through the prayers of his people. Like this, this last week, y'all, we are not a large church and, and confirmed, we have at least 24 intentional conversations about the gospel, inviting people to respond in faith. Like, that's beautiful. In seven days, seeing this video, I'm gonna pick up my kid here while we're doing this. But God is at work. God is a mirror. Y'all aren't even paying attention to me anymore. I get it. That's okay. God is at work, and you get to be part of it. We get to be part of it together, and that's part of what we're doing in this room is celebrating the work and activity of God and drawing courage from his word to go back out into this city and make a difference this week. And so if you're just barely dragging in, if you're like, I've done all the difference making that I can can handle this week, you are in good company. And the Lord Jesus welcomes you as you are. I want us to take a moment of both giving and greeting uh, before we get to today's teaching text. Everything we have has been given to us by God, and so we give sacrificially and joyfully to the work of God in our city. So I want to invite you to give. The ways to give are right there on the seat, or on the screens behind me. Um, and y'all can go ahead and stand. Let's greet one another warmly as family, and we'll be back very soon. I'm play, I'm play. I love you. Hey, you look nice today. Thank you, that's kind of you. Thank you, brother. This is full service right here. Bringing my pulpit over. We're all coming, dude. We're so excited. Are you excited? Wow, what a cool place to get baptized, man. How are you this morning? You feeling good? You excited to watch your brother get dunked? We we won't hold them under there too long. Just long enough, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got everything you need? I got everything I need, man, and seven. then some no, no Man. taking I feel so taken care of. Oh, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> you uh you deserve all the tips. Love you, bro. Thanks for leading us well. Bring the word. Let's do it. Hey, what's up, y'all? I know y'all are family of uh, Noelle's. She's very dear to us. This whole family so dear to us. Hi, y'all. Good to meet you. Hey, yeah, good to see you, Isaac. Good morning my friend. Hey Courtney. Good morning. Hey, thanks for serving back here, dude. I appreciate you. Where's that piece of paper for me? I'm gonna get you one right now. all oh, yours that's got every th- whole schedule on there good morning ladies how's it going we got some now. man all right I want to see some good notes whoever draws the best picture of me gets a dollar and I bet you're both gonna get a dollar that's my guess is it bad to bribe children at church sorry. What's up, Peyton? Hi. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Hi. You doing well? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good. Hey, good morning, man. Good to see you. Good. Good to see you, buddy. All right, let's do this. Hey, good morning. All right, New City, let's crack open the book together. 1 Corinthians chapter one is where we're going to be today. We're gonna spend time in five verses there. If you're you're just joining us or you missed last week, we are in the middle of a series we're calling Praying with Paul. When we're um, in this series, or uh, this 30 days of prayer, rather, we're trying to learn to pray um, as a church together. And so last week we started with uh, Paul's pattern for prayer, which was the Lord Jesus in chapter Matthew six, who taught us to pray, and what we learned was that prayer um, is essential to the Christian life. If you're gonna follow Jesus, um, you can't do it without prayer, and here's why. Prayer is the intimate conversation and connection between you and God. Um, it is a gift of grace that we've been given. And so where we finished last week was like, man, if you, uh, if you get a Christmas present and somebody tells you it's the perfect gift, um, you don't just leave that thing under the tree, right? There's, uh, does anybody still have a gift under their Christmas tree right now from December? No, 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 right? You open the gifts, right? When you get them, you open them. And so that's where we landed last week. And this week, we are turning to one of Paul's first prayers that we're gonna look at and learn from, um, which is a prayer of thanksgiving. A prayer of thanksgiving here in 1 Corinthians. Um, once you get there to 1 Corinthians, if you would go ahead and stand in reverence for the reading of God's word, we will read and dig into this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 4, Paul says, under inspiration of the Spirit, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is God's word, y'all can have a seat. So Paul, very quickly, right here in the beginning of this uh, letter in 1 Corinthians, he just, he just gushes in prayer thankfulness. I, uh, I wanna ask you, this is a bit of a self-reflective question here, how natural is thankfulness to you? Um, Some of us are wired by personality. Thankfulness, just, it's easy, right? You just wake up and it's like breathing. You're just, I'm thankful for my dog and my house and my plant and my, and you just go off, right? You're thankful very naturally. But some of us, we have to fight for thankfulness, right? Um, Some of us have experienced circumstances in life that cause us to um, sort of, be singed, right? We, we lose our bead on thankfulness. We, uh, we get cynical. That's what life does to us at times. And what we learn right here from Paul and what we see through the rest of the New Testament is that thankfulness is essential to prayer. Why? Because it centers you on God It centers you around who he is. It puts you right up and saying, everything that I have comes from you, God. And what's interesting to me in studying this passage this week is that Paul starts out talking about how thankful he is for this church. How overwhelmed he is that God has saved them. And if you've ever read the book of 1 Corinthians, what you know is this church is the Hot Mess Express, y'all. This is like a Jerry Springer on Sunday morning kind of a church, okay? This church is confused about a lot, They're theologically confused. Um, They don't know what they believe. Um, They are not taking holiness seriously. They're not obeying the word of God seriously. They are an absolute mess. And so as I read through this letter and then I get back to this prayer of Paul, I'm like, what what is in Paul's drink that he is so thankful for this church? How can he be filled with gratitude for a church that's such a mess? And here's here's how, don't miss this. The gospel of grace is so real to Paul that he is filled with optimism. Like the gospel of grace is so true to his heart, it is so overwhelming his soul and mind that he's filled with optimism for this church. He's overwhelmed by it. He can't get enough of it. He's like, hey, I know you're still figuring stuff out. I know there's a mess. I know there's all of these problems, but listen, God is at work. God is at work. And see, here's what I think our problem is a lot of the times. It's some version of this. When we struggle to find gratitude, when we struggle to find thankfulness, it comes from a shallow belief in the grace of the gospel. Right? The gospel just isn't re- as real to our heart as the pains of life yet. Shallow thankfulness comes from a shallow belief. And so this morning, New City, if, uh, if there's one thing I want you to catch this morning, it's this. Prayers of thankfulness are an overflow of a deep belief in the grace of God a deep belief in the grace of God. And what I don't want to do this morning is just tell you that you should believe deeply in the grace of God. I want to tell you from this text why you should treasure this grace more than anything else. Like if you're struggling with thankfulness coming into this room this morning, let's just look at Jesus together for the next 25 minutes or so. Look at him to stir thankfulness inside of us. So, Three, uh, I'm sorry, four, three points right here. I couldn't remember how many points I had, whoops. Three points. If you're a note taker, here they are on the front and then we're gonna walk them through. Number one, you have costly grace. Number two, you have enriching grace. And number three, you have sustaining grace. Anybody need some grace this morning? There's plenty for you. Number one, you have costly grace. Will you look back at verse four with me? It says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Now, remember who this church is, right? There's so many places he could start. He's like, hey, I'm praying for you guys that you'll stop like doing weird stuff or bad stuff, right? There, he could start with the theological confusion. He could start with the unholiness, but he doesn't. Notice where he starts. I am so thankful that God saved you, my friends. When I see you, I am overwhelmed with joy that God saved you. He is, he is blown away, why? The verse tells us, because of the grace that was given to them in Christ Jesus. That's the way he's able to be thankful to them. Notice those two words, was given. Grace was given. Do you know what was means in the Greek right here? It means was, right? It's past tense, it's done. Grace was given, it's sure. What some of you need to understand and believe this morning is that if you are in Christ, there are no great measuring scales in the sky, seeing if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. There's no scale. And if there was a scale, it would be Jesus and you on one side and everything else on the other. And Jesus is weightier than any being in the whole universe. His grace is sure, it's done. See, some of you are walking into this room this morning and you are hanging on to your past. Or maybe rather, your past is hanging on to you. You're thinking of all the ways that you have failed and fumbled. And listen, your failures may be very real, I'm sure that they are, I've got real failures too. But guess what? The grace of Christ, receive this this morning, is just as real as your failures. That's how real grace is this morning. Grace was given. And you know what happens when something is given to you? Ownership transfers. When you're given a gift, right? It's yours. Can you imagine getting a gift from someone and they're like, hey, I'm so excited to give you this new car. I just forgot to tell you on Thursdays I'm gonna need it back. Wouldn't that be an odd gift? Or if you bought your home and they were like, hey, we're so glad, here's the keys and everything, but we're gonna need you to move out on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I got a lot of stuff going on here. Wouldn't that be strange? Some of you this morning, you need to believe that Jesus is not your landlord. He is not leasing a resource to you. No, 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 Jesus has given you ownership of his kingdom. His grace belongs to you. And if you believe that, friend, this morning you can live with security in the presence. Listen, grace isn't going anywhere if you belong to Jesus. And Paul, his attention in this prayer goes to where this grace comes from. Notice he's so thankful that um, the grace of God was given to his friends, but notice how the grace was given. It tells you at the end of verse four, it says, in Christ Jesus. I need you to remember this morning, New City, that grace is free, but hear me, it ain't cheap. Grace is free for you. It's not going to cost you anything, but hear me, it costs Jesus everything. And Paul is filled with thankfulness because he is overwhelmed by the lengths that God has gone to save his friends. Can I ask you this morning, are you overwhelmed by the costliness of the grace that saved you? you see the cost and not not responding in some sort of guilt relationship with God but when you see the way that uh, God sacrificed his own son to redeem you are you moved toward him in that how do you know if you are overwhelmed by gratitude here's how i think we know friends how we treat something is a statement of how much we value it is it not How we treat something is a statement of how much we value it. Um, When I graduated, undergraduate, my sister bought me this Bible right here. And listen, this Bible, it's it's actually too nice for me. It makes me nervous to take it out of my office, okay? This This is like a whole goat had to die for the outside of this Bible. Fine, paper all these threads to keep my places right this beautiful beautiful bible and listen i uh, especially when before we moved to plant um i would keep this bible in the box it came with this really hard like cardboard box and i would keep it in the box and take it out with people and i got made fun of a lot for being like man why you keep your bible in your box i'm like i'm just nervous about it i don't want to break it right now, I've got other Bibles, right? But this one has a special place in my office. He's a he just stays in there, right? He just kind of chills out in there. I've got another Bible that's a paperback copy of the Word of God in case I need to open the scripture, and I keep it in a tote in the trunk of my car. Now, the words are equally valuable in both of these Bibles, but listen, I treat those two Bibles differently because they have different values to me, don't they? This one was a gift, it was this heirloom piece that hopefully I might give to my grandkids, but the paperback Bible, it's it's a little more disposable to me. I treat them differently because one of them cost more. Friends, hear me this morning. When the costliness of grace becomes real to your heart, you will become a thankful prayer like Paul you struggle with thankfulness, will you just look at the cost for a minute that Jesus paid to rescue you? You see, in his murder, Jesus covered up your shame. He covered it right up, completely, fully. In his humiliation, he purchased your future right? Jesus didn't partially die. He didn't die a little bit or look like he was dead to redeem you. No, no, no. He went all the way to rescue you. Friends, this morning, you have costly grace. Jesus went to the mat for you. But you don't just have costly grace. Paul moves from there thinking about the cost. Man, you you paid so much to save my friends. And then he moves in verse five to what we find in point two, that you have enriching grace. Enriching grace. Look at verse five. It says, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word enriched right there in the original language, um, it, it means luxuriously rich. Right? When I when I think of luxury wealth, I think of like the videos of Trump Tower with the golden toilets and the, the, the ornate things, right? But think of your version. Like in your head, in your heart, the thing that you look at and go, Oh my gosh, if I had that thing, I would be unbelievably wealthy. Whatever that looks like in your head. The text is telling us right here that in the grace of the gospel, you have been enriched in all things. You see, this church right here, because of God's grace, they have these overwhelming gifts to the point that Paul has the audacity in verse 7 to say that they're not lacking in any gifts that they need to follow Jesus. Do you feel like you're not lacking anything this morning? Goodness, I know I don't feel like that coming in. Like they've got the gospel, right? It was confirmed among them, it tells us in verse six. And as if that weren't enough, Paul says in verse five, this church has unbelievable gifts of speech and knowledge. You see, this church in Corinth that was known, the city of Corinth, um, was a place where traveling speakers and orators would come and they would teach. So think basically like TED Talk, okay? So they'd come and people would pay to come in and they would speak on a particular topic. Knowledge was this high value in the city. And what Paul is observing in these people, he's like, goodness, Besides just the fact that you've been saved by God, he's given you these particular gifts of knowledge and teaching. He's like, y'all, you're good at this. You're good at this. Do you recognize that the reason you're good at this is because God's grace has specifically deposited in you in this way? Friends, you need to hear this this morning. Because of God's grace, not only are you saved, but the skills and abilities you have were given for God's glory and for your joy. Like, listen, the way that you are wired, the things that you find great joy in that are good and holy things, that was a gift from your father. I was thinking about this this week. I've been thinking a lot about like, man, what do we do with like the real stuff of life, right? For, for me, like I get so much pleasure out of a cup of coffee. Oh my gosh, yeah, amen. I heard a glory out there, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, every morning it brings me so much joy to get up, I pull out my hand grinder and I measure out the weight of the beans and I grind the beans and then I heat up the water and I pour the water over. I found myself thinking like, man, does God actually care about that stuff? Does he care about the real and regular stuff? And here's what you need to know this morning. The way that God wired you, the passions that he gave you, these are for a purpose. He gave you these things so that you could enjoy them and that in enjoying them, you would look at him. He gave you these passions and these things so that you could experience life and bless others. How you are wired, the skills that you have, the way that God has put your personality together is his perfect strategy for accomplishing his mission in and through your life. I have some friends who like struggle with being introverted. I don't mean they struggle like in being introverted is a problem. I mean they're just like, man, I just wish I like wanted to go in parties and be like ah excited immediately. But that's not how I feel, right? As if there's something more virtuous about being loud or something, like. But I heard this quotation from Ray Ortland Sr., who uh, said to his son, he said, "Do you know that your personality." is not a problem in God's economy, that it's actually the perfect strategy for him to accomplish his mission through you. You know that? Doesn't mean we don't need to change, it doesn't mean we don't need to grow, don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. But what it does mean is that how you were wired, the gifts you were given, the skills that you have cultivated, those are a gift of grace. Have you connected those dots before? In 1 Peter, Peter talks about spiritual and physical gifts that we've been given. He says, you are a steward of God's grace because you have those things. He's given you something to steward, to use. And what's strange, and man, I mean, re- I wrestle with one like this. I'm like, Paul, is this toxic positivity right here for you to say that w- they're not lacking in any gift? Really? <coughs> It's not at all. See, there's this beautiful thing that happens in the people of God. Because you may be hearing this verse right now and thinking, not lacking anything, I can tell you about 15 things that I'm lacking right now. I need healing, I need hope. I need less month and I need more money. I need, you fill in the blank, all of the things that you need and listen, You may not experience having all that you need right now, but in God's economy, we, as the people of God, as a church family, we have all that we need. This means Paul's assumption in this text is that there is a rugged interdependence between the people. Like, listen, this morning, maybe you're out of hope. Well, God gave you me who feels filled with hope this morning. What I saw earlier, just a couple of weeks ago, I saw a financial need raise up in our church, somebody else hears about it, and somebody who has the resources took that money and wrote the family a check. You know why? Because together, we have all that we need. But you know what that means? You know The assumption here is that we show up together. See, if we are gonna have all that we need, a we requires a you. A we means that all of us say, this is us. My gifts, my deposits, my talents, my skills. I've heard it said by, I think Jeff Vanderstelt, he said that God's gifts that he gave you, they hit you on their way to somebody else. Right, the reason God has blessed you with this particular deposit is for somebody else. So you and I need to ask, friends, as we're working, as we're laboring together to take hold of the enrichments of grace, you need to ask, what gaps are the enrichments God has given me meant to fill? Like where is there a need that God has positioned me to meet? Where is there a lack of skill that my skills need to go? Like y'all, I'm even thinking just about Sundays, right? And making Sundays happen. We need people who are gifted in welcoming and loving others to serve on the hospitality team, right? That's a simple way for you to start using your enrichments of grace for others. We need leaders who can lead us in worship and in singing, right? If that's your deposit, use your deposit so that we together can say with Paul, with confidence, that we are lacking in nothing. When you think about it, it's just really cool that God chose to give you the gifts he gave you. Like I know, for some of us, we may look at our gifts and go like, man, I wish I had some other gift or something. But think about it, when God made you, he thought of specific gifts. And he was like, I, I want to make exactly an Eric this. I want to make exactly a Caleb this. I want to make exactly a Shelby this. God specifically loved you by the gifts that he gave you. And what I'm asking this morning is that you'll just receive it. Receive it for what it is, a gift of enriching grace. Grace. Point number three today, last one, you have sustaining grace. Look at verse eight, it says, for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of, of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who will sustain you to the end. Goodness, do you ever wonder if you're gonna make it? Like honestly, and maybe not just in your life, but let's say in your Christianity, do you ever lay in bed at night and wonder, am I gonna actually make it to the end? Because I feel doubt. I feel fear, I feel insecurity, I feel all these things. Can I be honest with you and tell you, I do. There are times in my life, especially over the last several months, where I looked up and I was like, man, if you don't carry me, I'm not gonna make it. I'm just not gonna make it. Have you ever heard the uh, the, the little poem, Footprints, right, where Jesus is walking on the beach with somebody and they're like, but why is there only one set? And he's like, ah, oh, that's the the... Times I chose to carry you. And for me, I think the poem's wrong. I think it's wrong, here's why. Because I think there's just one big drag mark in the sand. He's been dragging me the whole way. It was always him, right? Why aren't there any footprints? Was that a snake? No, that was me dragging you along the way. You need to hold on to hope though. It doesn't say you will sustain you. What does the text say? (laughs) Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end. Jesus himself will sustain you. Goodness, I look back per, on a particular season of my life from ages 19 to 21, that's the time I made my parents most nervous. Okay, so if, you got, if you've got kids and they're headed into that age or they're in that age, I just wanna give you some hope. I turned out okay, we made it through, we pulled the airplane out of the ditch, we, we survived it, but goodness, I made them nervous a few times. And I can think of one time in particular that I had had made poor relationship decisions and I had made poor school decisions. I'd done all of these things that I was sitting in my life and a kid who found pride in his accomplishments and his intellect and how put together he was, was sitting there without any accomplishments, with everything broken apart. There was nothing to hide behind. All the things that have been sustaining me were no longer sustaining me. Have you felt that? It's like, I don't have anything left. Do you know that's actually perfect? It's perfect because you're finally in a place when you get to that spot that you can receive grace that you can be willing to admit what this thing has always been, which has been Jesus Christ sustaining you. And notice, Jesus doesn't send somebody else to sustain you. He doesn't send somebody else to do this work. Listen, he does it himself. Do you realize that right now in this moment, as you're trying to hold your life together, the living Lord of glory himself is holding you together, is holding on to you, is keeping you. If you're laying in bed and you're wondering, am I going to make it? No, this morning. You are not going to make it to the end guiltless because you nailed it. You are going to make it guiltless to the end because the grace of God carried you. He carried you. And here's what I know. Some of you have zero felt experience of this. You're like, okay, Jesus is carrying me. What about last week? What about all the pain? What about all the difficulty? What about all of the trials? How in the world can you know? Can you know that God is sustaining you if you don't feel in experience. Verse nine says to us, God is faithful by whom you were called. Here's what the phrase I want you to look at into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The text says that by virtue of God's grace, you were called into the fellowship of the son. When I hear that phrase, anybody else think of Lord of the Rings a little bit, right? The fellowship of the ring, right? This this united band of people around this cause, right? So as I read this this week, I was studying the passage with some friends and thinking, okay, is this referring to the church? I think it's part of it, right? But what this also means right here is that you are part of Jesus himself. You are in such fellowship with him that all of his rights and privileges now belong to you. Think think about this illustration for a moment. If you travel by airplane, you go where the airplane goes, don't you? You're in it. You belong to it. There's no, right, if you open the door of the airplane, you're gonna get sucked out, right? If you are in the airplane, You are with it. It is a packaged deal. And friend, if you are in Christ this morning, you and Jesus are a packaged deal. Dane Ortlund says it well when he says, God the Father could just as easily put Christ back in the grave as he could cut you off. That's what it means to have fellowship with the Son. You have a sustaining grace, y'all. And hear me this morning, the sustaining grace of God, It so entwines you with Jesus that the father could just as soon reject the son, throw the son off, cast the son out as he could reject you. That's the kind of union that you have with Jesus Christ. This is a miracle. Of course, Paul's thankful. Of course, he's seeing this. These things are real in his heart. He's going, man, this church is a mess, but you know what? Jesus has made himself ride or die. He is going to change them, he is going to fill them. He is at work here. So, if that's the case, if you have sustaining grace and you don't feel sustained at all, what what do you do? Well, friends, don't quit. Don't quit today. Believe what is true but unfelt, that you are in fellowship with the Son of God. Friends, I hope you see grace today, the cost, the enriching, the overwhelming deposit of grace that the Lord Jesus has given you, the sustaining work of just holding on on to you that Jesus has done, believe it, receive it, treasure it in your hearts, hold it in your heart this week. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to go back into your life and you're going to get punched in the face by your life. I hope you don't literally get punched in the face. Only a few of us have jobs where that is a normal possibility in the room. But however life hits you this week, My hope is that the grace of Christ is so overwhelming to you that you walk in with thankfulness and optimism and you keep pausing to look up to your father and say, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what you're doing. For the Christian, there is always room for gratitude. Always. I thought this week of a a line from a song by one of my favorite artists named Andrew Peterson. It's a song called Don't You Want to Thank Someone. It says this, I'll finish with this. Don't don't you ever wonder why, in spite of all this wrong here, there's still so much that goes so right, and beauty abounds. Sometimes when you walk outside, the air is full of song here. The thunder rolls and the baby sighs and the rain comes down. And when you see the spring has come and it warms you like a mother's kiss, don't you want to thank someone? Don't you want to thank someone for this? New City, don't you want to thank someone this morning for this grace? In him you have everything to be thankful for. You have a grace that if you open yourself to it will infuse you with the very optimism of heaven and thankfulness into every one of your prayers. During this 30 days of prayer, I want to invite you to practice. Like, man, I struggle to be thankful. What if you just woke up and started the day aware of God's grace? God, how can I thank you for grace today? Just see what he does.